Hey, this is John, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org forward slash young adults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. And we're going to be in John chapter 7 is the teaching passage for tonight. And so um, specifically we're in verses 1 through 13. Um, if you have one of those blue Bibles, it's on page 989. So allow me to read, and um, this is God's Word. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, you show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, he then also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast, saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, he is a good man. Others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. This is the word of the Lord. Yes? Okay, cool. Hi, guys. Oh, I'm so excited. My name is Jade. It's not on there. My name is Jade, and there's an echo? Are we good? Okay. Oh, (laughs) scared me. What is that echo? Is it my earrings? Okay. Well, hi, my name is Jade, and I know half of you, but some of you I just met today. So, hey, did we just meet today? I met you? And I met you, well, kind of, went to the same high school. Um, But I'm really excited about tonight because I've been coming to young adults for like six years. So that's a pretty long time. Anybody else? Two years? Three years? Four years? Caleb, five years? Six years? Seven? Eight? Really? Blaine. (laughs) Blaine's like 20. Um, Anyways, I'm super excited about tonight. Um, oh, did you guys just get it? <laughs> that was a delayed laugh, guys. Not Acacia. Your laugh is always on time. Acacia's laugh is the best. So if I make a joke, just listen to Acacia's laugh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm super excited. We're going to be back in John. So last week we covered John 6. We're going to be in John 7. That's what we read tonight. Um, we're going to be really honing in on some of the context that's going on, but we're also going to be um, speaking on sort of just the idea, you heard it when we read it, but the idea of waiting on the Lord and what does that mean and how do we do it and what happens when it's too hard and all that fun stuff. Um, And so I'm going to take this second and just pray for myself, but 
I'm going to be honest, I'm really excited because, like I said, I've been serving here for six years, and I genuinely love this space, and I know a lot of you, when you come into this space, you say the same thing, and there's a fun community here, and so I feel like I'm talking with my brothers and sisters, and so it's just really cool. I get to like share with you about my time with the Lord, and so I would love to talk with you later about your time with the Lord, um, about what God's teaching you. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we'll jump in. Father, I just, I just thank you so much, um, just constantly for just what you're doing in my life and what you're doing in each and every life here. You know each and every one of them more than I know them, more than we know each other, more than they even know themselves. And so I pray tonight um, you would speak through me and that you would speak to the hearts that are here um, and that you would, you would have your way. And we pray that this is glorifying to you. I surrender this time with you um, to you. I surrender this message to you if I stick to a word or not. I surrender um, my friends, my brothers and sisters. I surrender their time here with you. I pray that any distraction or confusion um, would be dealt with with you and that you would bring clarity to their hearts and to their mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool, so you can open up to chapter 7 if you're not already there. If you're using this Bible, it's page 989. Um, But some context of what's going on. So we're reading that the Festival of Booths is happening. Anybody watch New Girl? Okay, all I can think of is youths. You know what I mean? Festival of Booths. Anyways, so the festival, anybody know what that is? What's going on, the Festival of Booths? Oh, Blaine, you need the mic? Like sure? No. Okay, so it's a festival that's going on. It goes for about eight days, and it's just to remember um, that the Lord brought the Israelites out. And so to this day, some people actually still do it. Um, they sleep outside in a tent. But um, this festival in particular, uh, every male Jew who lived within 20 miles of Jerusalem was legally bound to a tent, but also Jews outside of those 20 miles, they want to come. So this is a big deal. Okay, so Jesus' brothers are urging him to go to Jerusalem, uh, but Jesus rejects and decides to go at his own time. Um, so we did read the scripture already, but I need you to know, because this blows my mind anytime I read something like this. So Jesus' brothers, like legit, like that's Jesus' like brothers, like half brothers, right? Because they're not like born of God, but it's like actually like if you have siblings, like it's the same thing. So he's having a conversation with his brother. So we're going to actually be reading this a lot tonight. So that first time, hopefully you got more familiar with it. Um, but I'm going to jump back in of where where we see this. So after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the work that you're doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. Before we keep reading, let's talk about what's going, like the main thing that we notice is this idea of time and also that he's speaking to his brothers, okay? So Jesus spoke often about his timing, right? So we like know like, oh, my time is not yet here. The hour is not yet come. But in this passage, it's actually different. So in the previous passages, um, the translation there, and listen, I don't know my Greek and Hebrew how to pronounce it. 
okay? So you can correct me later. But the word that would be used in the past to say, like, I'm destined for this, this is a specific time, um, there's no, uh, it's not movable, okay? That word is hora, aura? I don't know. I looked at Caleb, but do you know it? I don't know. And uh, this, that is actually to define that it's not movable, okay? So this time is this time. But here, actually, it's using a different word. It's using a word that actually translates to keros, which means an opportunity. So instead of saying this is the divine time, this is the, the unmovable time, this is a, a uh, a time that I have to just accept. It's actually an opportunity, and this means that it's the best time, the most suitable time, the most opportune time. Um, so in this meeting of his time has not yet come, Jesus is saying that that moment when they're like, you should probably go, he's saying that moment was not the moment which would give him the chance for which he was waiting. So if we were to look at the Greek and we would see that Jesus is saying this, basically what he's saying, a scholar said, Basically, what Jesus is saying is, if I go up with you just now, then I will not get the opportunity that I'm looking for because that time is not opportune, okay? So Jesus is, what we're learning here is Jesus' internal clock was actually married to the Father's time, okay? So what he was actually deciding in that moment is, I know when to move because I'm in tune to the Father. I'm not in tune to my brothers. I'm not in tune to the world. I'm not even in tune with the, what day or time the festival is starting. I'm in tune with the Father. So that made me think of just how that would translate. I mean, you can imagine how that translates to us, but I, um, I'm friends with a lot of married people, and I always uh, shout out Danielle, Chloe, my other married people out here. Um, but I'm friends with a lot of married people, and they, oh, Lee, sorry, I forgot about you, Lee. Love you, Lee. Um, but they have taught me something very important, okay? I'm not married. This is just for style, okay? Um, but as a single individual, you make decisions based off of what? Yes, if you love God, God. But I'm saying, like, your common day stuff is, like, your girl's like, let's hang out. You're like, yeah, my bank account says $10. Let's go to Wendy's, right? So if, you're, if you are wanting to hang out with your friends, you can just do that. You kind of move on your own schedule, your own internal clock. You wake up when you have work. I don't know your life, but your own internal clock. But when you get married, whose other schedule are you rocking with, right? You're rock you know your spouse's schedule, right? And so you try to marry the two and you try to be aware of the other person to where, hey, do you want to hang out tonight is, I'm actually, uh, I can't play video games tonight. I don't play video games. I'm pretending to be a guy. Um, I can't play video games tonight. I got to hang out with my wife. Also, if you're a girl and play video games, I heard you, Jamie. I played video games back in the day. There you go. Um, but yeah, you're aware of two schedules, and we become more aware that living life is outside of living life just for yourself. You throw in some kids. Oh, hey, Jen. I didn't, I didn't say Jen. Jen, you're also my friend. You're kind of mad. I kind of saw it. I'm sorry. Um, but you throw in some kids in that, and it's like, where's your time? You know? I mean, I don't, I don't know. You know? I don't know. Uh, I don't have any kids. But that makes me think of just like our singleness of our marriage with the Lord. Okay, track with me here. Be removed from the humanness of this. But uh, the, the singleness that we felt with the Lord when we were just going on our own internal clock, right? We're just doing our own thing and um, just if I want to hang out and talk to this guy, he doesn't know the Lord, that's fine. And if I want to go do this, whatever. I can go in so many examples. But the main point is we lived on our own internal clock 
And there was a moment that when we, first of all, we didn't know what we didn't know. But as soon as we knew it, our internal clock changed a little, right? Where did we want to invest our time? Where did we want to be poured into? It looked a little different. I remember when, so I became a Christian at 14, and prior to that, all I wanted to do was be rich. Anybody else dream that as a kid? No one. No one dreamed that as a kid? You guys, thank you, John, for being honest. Somebody else raised their hand over here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I really want to be rich. I remember driving by these certain houses, and it would be like these huge mansions with like Spanish moss and all these wonderful things. And I was like, I want that house. My dream was to have a house that I could drive a golf cart in. <laughs> I wanted that so bad. I wanted to have a house, and I wanted to drive a golf cart in it because I wanted it to be so big, and I wanted to adopt like 50 kids, and everyone just gets their own golf cart. I'm here to say, has not happened, <laughs> but maybe. Okay, it's not going to. Um, but yeah, I was kind of, I was honestly, if I'm being honest, I was a little married to that idea or like proposing to that idea, engaging with that idea. Um, and I really wanted to just make a lot of money. So I would seek out opportunities that would put me in those positions. And I was, I would define myself honestly as materialistic in that time. And when my, my what I didn't know became what I knew, which was God, and that he is actually the satisfaction, right? He is the gift. I became more aware that that's not what I wanted. That was stuff that I wanted to just fill me and fill my time with, and all it was is just an empty void. And so, honestly, the first few years, just because I was married to the Father and His plan for my life, it didn't mean that those things, like, went away, right? Anybody who's married to God, you're like, I don't sin. No? Right, we all do. And so we kind of have this back and forth of um, what was it like when we were single and now we're married to God and what's going on and how do we, how do we mix the internal clocks? And so honestly, <laughs> coming out of the marriage concept, but honestly with our time with the Lord, we cannot force the hand of God. And I feel like that's very hard for us. It's very hard for me. It's very hard for me to know that I don't have control over the guy controlling everything, right? It's like I should actually be very rested that he is in full control, but it's a hard, it's a hard struggle for me sometimes. I mentioned this before, but Jesus is married to the Father's time, and he does not, um, he doesn't do anything in man's time, but in God's time. And the impatience of us as humans we must learn to wait on the wisdom of God because the world, it's not spinning on us, right? It's not us. The world isn't spinning on any of our circumstances either. It's spinning on God's access of time. So then how do we wait? Um, and you know, I was, when I was reading, I actually um, was reading Psalm 46. So if you guys want to turn there, I feel like this really defined... Um, how to wait. So Psalm 46. Cool. Page 522. Okay. So it is a verse, let's see, 10. Verse 10, I feel like defines how we wait on the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. We're done. 
It's like, this is in, this is literally in here, and it's like, it's, that's the answer. Be still and know. Um, if you're taking notes, um, definitely jot this down. And if you're not, I would encourage you to jot this down because these are not my words. Like, this is literally the word of God. And he is saying this, and for me, I'm remembering it, and I'm sharing it with you, and so that when the times are hard and you don't know what to do and you're waiting for something, maybe it's now, maybe it's next week, I don't know, you're going to want to reflect and remember what God says on how to wait. Amen. So the, the first thing we can do is be still, right? So um, it's actually pretty interesting. This, this um, translation of be still, it, it shocked me. It's not just sitting outside on a cool winter day with your Bible and your hot coffee or tea. Um, it's actually not that. It, it has changed is a changed definition of what be still. Those are still very good things to do. Um, but here it's the Hebrew word, and it's uh, pronounced maybe as rapa. And what that means, it is to cease, to slacken, or to let down. So I feel like the best way to explain this, I actually saw this imagery, and I felt like I could best explain what's going on. So imagine two people are fighting. They're like going at it, weapons and all. And somebody steps in, and they literally intervene and separates them and makes them drop their weapons. Okay, so two people are going at it. Someone walks in. They say, stop, drop your weapons, breathe, right? And in that moment, they would acknowledge, oh, wait, this is what's going on. It stops them for a moment. And in that moment, if they're Christians and they're fighting, they can acknowledge that they can trust in God. So it's not be still and it's just this wonderful planned moment of quiet, even though it is sometimes, okay, but not here, not in this text. This is be still in the sense of stop the frantic activity, stop the anxiety, stop the stress, stop the fighting, stop this fighting of the battle that you can't win alone. Just stop for a second, put down your weapons, slow down, cease, breathe. God is God, be still. So what happens when you're letting down your fight and acknowledging the battle is being fought without you moving, right? You let down your weapons, you're like, oh, I'm on the winning team. In, in that middle of the absolute chaos, you can actually carry that confidence in the Lord. Um, Psalm 27.3, it says, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. So that's literally some imagery to go with that metaphor of literally fighting and seeing that war is going on and in that moment dropping your weapons and recognizing that whatever you can muster up, it's not going to win the battle. He's already won for you. And that strength you need, he's going to provide. The second way we can wait on the Lord is what it says, be still, okay, and know that I am God. Seems pretty easy. I do know that you're God. Great. I still feel bad, <laughs> right? Well, so what does that mean? What does it mean to know, um, to know who God is? And so actually what I want to do right now is I want to take a moment, if you still have the journal out or maybe your phone or even if you just want to think, I'm not quizzing you, so it's fine, whatever you decide to do. This is for your own benefit. Um, I want to give you a second to kind of think of the characteristics of God that you know. So I'll give you a few to start you off. Um, he's good. He's infinite, right? He's powerful. He's kind. 
So I'm going to give you literally two minutes right now to really just sink in what you know about God. And I would really encourage you to write it because sometimes we need to see it and be reminded. And then we'll go forward. And while you're writing that, I'm going to give you another minute. Write down some of the battles you're carrying, right? So maybe you're mad at somebody. I don't know. Maybe you were on the road today and you were flustered. Or maybe he works hard. Um, maybe you're not satisfied. Write that down. And continue to write the trueness of who God is and pick that up. So I'll give you that second, too. He is holy, he is sovereign, faithful, infinite, all-knowing, present always, all-powerful. We could seriously go on and on and on, and I encourage you to tonight, uh, right now, if you tune me out and keep going, keep going. <laughs> it's good news. But now that we put down our battle weapon, and we remember who God is and we pick that up, in that moment, why would we want to trust or rely on us or our timing or what our circumstances have to answer? God has already given us millions of reasons to trust him, and we know those reasons by knowing him. And how to know him more, scripture says, by seeking him, by abiding, by reading his word. In John, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. The word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. <laughs> so this right here, like, this is, this is your weapon, okay? This is it. This is how you can know God more. This is how you can know how to fight your battle because the word tells us who God is. It gives us the comfort on why he is enough and why he is worthy of trusting with our lives because it informs it. So how do we wait on the Lord? We be still, recognize who he is, drop our weapons, and then we also know who he is. Well, who were the brothers waiting on? <laughs> were they waiting on the Lord? No. <laughs> Verse 5 says, For not even his brothers believed in him. That's hard. That's hard for me to read um, in that moment because he's, they're literally talking face to face. Um, but Jesus tells them that their time is whenever. He says, uh, for, they, for they didn't know. And then he said, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. What does that mean? It means that any time that they went to the festival, it wouldn't matter. Any time they would do anything, they would be there. No one would notice that they were there. Why? Because the brothers were a part of the world. They were in tune with the world. They blended in with the world. Jesus says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify about it that its works are evil. Because his brothers did not make the world uncomfortable, therefore the world is just fine with them. They're, good. they're like, they're cool, they're whatever. 
They can come to the party. But Jesus comes with a disturbance. His very presence and his coming is a challenge to our selfishness, right? It rubs against us and it shows us where we're weak, where we actually need help. We need a savior, where we know we're not enough and we will never be enough. We respond to that sometimes with, whoa. Like if the world responds to it, they're like, whoa, man, who do you think you are, some savior? We literally said that to Jesus. What? Yes, he is, he is the Messiah. Jesus knew that when he arrives, when his presence arrives, when he sits foot somewhere, something is going to happen. So I want to ask you this because this question came to my mind in preparing this in my own heart. So I want to ask you, what happens when you arrive? What happens when you walk into a place? Scripture tells us that we have the Holy Spirit in us. In John uh, 16, verse 7, uh, we can turn there. Let's go there. We'll be there in a second, or for a second. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This means when we arrive... We have the Holy Spirit. When we arrive at our campus, we carry the Holy Spirit in us. When we step foot in our homes, when we're with our friends, we have the Holy Spirit with us. When we log into social media, we carry this, uh, the, the Holy Spirit within us. In all things we do, we do not arrive alone. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you, which means something is about to happen. Something is going to happen. It may not look like what you think, but something is going to happen because you're carrying the Spirit, even if you don't say a word. Uh, if you keep reading John 16, uh, verse 8, and when he comes, he will convict the... So this is the helper. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Here the text is telling us that if we walk into these spaces that we share with other people, we are going to make the world, whoever's not a believer, uncomfortable. For the very reason Jesus did, because we are carrying the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead. The brothers weren't noticed, like I said, because they were following the wind. They're following the crowd. Everyone's going that way, you know? But we can be like Jesus, walking against the wind, bringing attention to our strength. You ever see someone doing something and it's like, that person's strong? But in this case, bringing attention to our strength is us saying, oh, it's not mine. <laughs> it's not my own. That's actually God's strength, what you just saw. And so what happens when you arrive, and I say arrive, it's not the arrival point of your life, it's just like actual physical, like arrival, like hanging out with people, spending time with other humans. What happens? Does the world know that you are not comfortable here? Does the world know that you're renting space and that your home is somewhere else? And I wanna clarify, because I do not wanna say, go be obnoxious and call it the gospel. Do not do that. 
It is moving in the way of the Lord and not the way of the world. That is going to cause uncomfortability already. That is going to cause a notice of difference already. And moving in love and glorifying the Father with every decision you make, it already becomes loud on who you're following. It already becomes loud on which way you're going, against the wind or within the wind. Because waiting on the Lord is actually, it's a testimony to others. They'll see your faith. And as a result, they will get closer to the Lord. They will put their faith in the Lord and trust in the Lord. Jesus is saying here, hey, to his own brothers, you don't have a testimony. I can, like, later they, later they do. But I cannot wrap my head around this sometimes is these are his literal brothers talking with him. And Jesus says, you don't have a testimony right now. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like if I'm going to talk to anybody about, like, their life, it's like, his actual brothers, like talking with him and like growing up with him. And in this moment, they are worshiping the law and the world and they're missing the very reason they're even alive is the person in front of them. We'll pick back up in John 7. I got to turn there too. All right. So he said, uh, you go up to the feast. So he said, y'all go. I'll, uh, I'm not coming with you. He says, you go up to the feast. I'm not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. And after saying this, he remained in Galilee. So Jesus decides then that it's actually not his time to go to the feast. He does end up going later. And the scripture then picks up and says what the people are talking about. Um, so it says, the Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? So when it says the Jews, those are the leaders because the leaders are seeking to kill him. So that's why uh, he's actually not uh, in the beginning when he's like the, uh, um, he would not go to Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. These are the leaders saying, where is he? Okay. And then some people start to chime in and mutter privately, not out loud. While some said, he is a good man. Others said, no. He is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. So in, in this, they're both wrong, right? They're both wrong. No, uh, he is a good man, wrong. No, he's leading people astray, wrong. Why is that wrong? Because Jesus just isn't a good guy. He's not just a good man. And he's definitely not leading people astray. Jesus forgives our sins. He paid the debt that we can never pay or pay back. In John, there are multiple I am statements from Jesus showcasing and defining who he is. Later on, we're going to find out that he is the living water. He says, I am the living water. He also says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? No one can come to the Father except through me. Is that just a good guy? And so I ask you, like, do you think Jesus is merely a good man? Or do you see him as Savior? And I just want to touch on this because I'm aware that there may be one or a few of you who, who think that Jesus isn't your Savior. Maybe you don't think he's a good guy. Maybe you don't even think he's real. Maybe you think he let you down. And I want to say something um, to you. Um, Jesus was and is real. 
He is truly God. He is truly human. And right now he's at the right hand of God in perfect human form. And he has died for you and he loves you. He has died for you and he loves you. Um, and he remembers you and he knows you. This opportunity, that time that I was talking about earlier of like the opportune time, right? Your time has not yet come, that time. That opportune time for you is right now. Your opportune time is right now. This is your time to hear the truth that Jesus died for you. And he's inviting you to live a life eternally safe with him. Safe. We have prayer at the end of the night. It's over here. Um, And so if you're someone who feels like that really just caused something in you, you just want to talk more, you don't even have anything to say, but you just want prayer. Um... Yeah, we have prayer over here. And I urge you to come for prayer and receive that truth and finally rest in the Father's arms tonight. Truly, if you hear that call. Um, the last thing I want to talk on is, as Christians, we have this eager expectation. Okay? This eager anticipation. That's, what, that's what's going on here, is Jesus, Jesus is um, tarrying, is the word. <laughs> It makes me think of Christmas. Anyone? Yes? I don't know why. Is there a reason? Is there? I don't know. Tell me later. Um, But it's making me think of Christmas. But anyways, he's tarrying here, which means to wait expectantly. Okay? He's waiting on the Lord by being still and by trusting. So if you go with me, two more Psalms tonight. Psalm 27, 3. Or, I'm kidding, 27, 13. Let's see... Page 508. Oh, I'm kidding. 509. A lot of kidding tonight. Sorry. Okay. This is the eager expectation of deliverance right here. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Then this. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. That's eager expectation going on right there. That's not like, hey, it's going to happen. I'll call you when it's happening. It's, oh my goodness, wait for the Lord. When are we going to go? Okay, so Psalm 25, 3, just like a page away. Indeed, oh, verse 3. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. None. We're waiting, we're waiting. Waiting on the Lord by being still and trusting the Lord and knowing him, we can actually grow the confidence and establish our faith, which will then bring what? Peace and stability. It won't be, oh, the wind, oh, the wind. It will be that strength we were talking about. And the imagery that came for this of tearing before the Lord and implying that readiness right? That readiness to obey, that readiness to let's go, that confidence of like, say go, (laughs) right? Or even that readiness for it to look different than what you thought it was going to look like. That readiness to see him move and to be more concerned about him making you more like Jesus and less concerned on answering the questions. Look, he wants to answer your questions. I didn't mean to make fun of that. But still, it's like instead of focusing on the logic or the emotion or the circumstance, you're actually focusing on him, and then all that stuff gets figured out anyways. The imagery is this. A runner at the starting line, what are they doing? Are they like sleeping? 
Are they like sitting? Are they even standing like this? No, they're literally alert, right? They're ready for to say, the little, the little gun goes <laughs> They're literally ready. The runner, thank you. The runner tarries. They wait expectantly behind the line, but is eagerly waiting for the permission to run. Tell me when, and I will do it. But what happens if the runner moves too quick? Yeah, disqualified. Run it back, you're out. Right, you can only do it so many times and then you're disqualified. (laughs) So he tarries with expectation. I am ready to go whenever, but I know to move only when it fires. That's waiting expectantly on the Lord. That is what controls your next move. That is what controls the direction you go. That is what determines the confidence that if you're going this direction and he says, turn that way, you're like, oh, okay. Right? And so, I hope this was encouraging, truly, with expectation to wait on the Lord. And it's not to wait with your own agenda. Going back to that internal clock thing, that internal agenda. Well, I'm going to wait on you, God, but here's my formula. No, it's not that. It's not waiting with lazy intention either of like, well, I will wait because you were going to do all of it, and I'm just going to enjoy the ride. The participating is enjoying the ride. The participating is your sanctification. And so here, the brothers do not know what they do not know. So they do not know that their participation is the ride. So they're, they're throwing to Jesus the formula. Please, Jesus, do this, 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 and then I'll believe. They'll believe you too. Don't you want to be known for this? Fun fact, um, before any of this, between chapter 6 and chapter 7, it's about six-month period of a gap. And in that period of time, I think two of the days was shared in a mass, um, like a mass group of people, feeding of the thousands, you know, we talked about that. Um, Thanks for laughing. (laughs) But that happened for about two days. But the rest of the six months, he spent with the 12 disciples, discipling them, caring for them, walking with them, talking with them, teaching them. That discipleship, that he spent with them, grew them confidence, right? And so, first of all, it grew them confidence. But second, does that tell you that Jesus is looking for a mass production to showcase who he is? No, he's not concerned about that. He's concerned about your heart. He's not concerned if you marvel at him and if his outfit is cool. He's not concerned about that. He's concerned about your heart. And he cares about your life, so much so that he died, so much so that he moved at the right time. And if I had more time, I would, I would go into this, but I really encourage you to read more, read more, read the footnotes of your Bible, go to other scripture. Um, Leviticus 23 talks about a bunch of the different feasts, if you want to read more. I think it's in Numbers too, maybe 29, something like that. It's all over, basically. Pray to God that he would reveal more to you, but... 
there's, there's more to this that Jesus, that Jesus would care more about your hearts, that he would die for you, than care about what other people think of him and if they are checking him off as, yeah, he matches the picture. And so right now, um, everyone stand, please. And you can spread out. I encourage you to. There's this whole front row if you're feeling kind of close to other people. I'm going to read this a few times. There are two different songs there. I'm not singing it. Okay, you're welcome. Um, I'm reading it. It's two different songs that are sort of mashed together um, in my mind, but... The idea is it's constantly saying, Lord, I'm waiting for you, and I'm waiting on you, and I'm not waiting because you're going to delay. No, it's waiting because I know that the opportune time is going to happen, and I want to be there, and I want to be aware that it's you, and I want to be a participant. I don't want it to happen. I want to be a part of it, right? And so, like I said, I'm going to read this a few times, and this is going to allow you to really, like, sink into you. And um, we do this a lot when we do the benediction. We put out our hands. And we've been doing it on Sundays when we do the blessing to one another, right? We receive and we give, we receive and we give. Tonight, I just want you to receive. I just want you to receive by putting out your hands. Or you don't have to do that for me. That's only if you really want to do that. Um, you can also receive by receiving whatever God does. I'm not judging or affirming any of it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to read these words. And I, and I pray that they really allow you to respond to this time with God and let him know that you are waiting on him and ask him to give you the strength, ask him to give you the posture to wait. I'm going to wait on you. I've tasted your goodness. I'm going to wait on you. I'll trust in your promise. God, I'm going to wait on you. I know you ordered every step. You are the author. And there's no predicting what is next. You do hold the future. I have questions. They come second to the one I know is true. I'm going to wait on you. I'll give you just a few seconds to say that to him. I'm going to wait on you. The least I can do is wait on you. What else is there to do? <laughs> I'll wait on you. You will renew my strength. You will. You will renew my strength. He will. He will renew your strength. So I'm going to wait on you. So when I say it, you can say it right after me. I'm going to wait on you. I am going to wait on you. 
I've tasted your goodness. I'll trust in your promise. I'm going to wait on you. Talk to the Lord in your own words. Just receive this part. In the darkest places, I will call. Hear my cry for mercy, Lord. Were you to count my sinful ways, how could I come before your throne? Yet full forgiveness meets my gaze. I stand redeemed by grace alone. Yes, I will wait for you. I will wait for you. On your word, I will rely. I will wait for you until my soul is satisfied. I will put my hope in you alone, God. I will take courage in your power. This battle is completely and forever won by Christ emerging from the grave. I will wait on you. I will wait on you. I will wait on you. You are my delight. Okay, repeat after me. I will wait for you. I will wait for you. Through the storm and through the night. I will wait for you. Surely wait for you. For your love is my delight. Psalm 27:14 says, "Wait for the Lord." Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Let's pray. God, you are so marvelous. I pray that we as individuals, as a community, as brothers and sisters, we would wait for you. Eagerly, ready, eagerly ready to obey, God giving you our questions, giving you our concerns, giving you our thoughts, asking for you to answer them in ways that only you can. Expect it that you would, exactly how you will. Thank you for tonight. Pray for my heart, my friends, my brothers and sisters, our hearts, that you would remind us to just wait on you You've got it under control. That we wouldn't fall into the patterns of this world by saying, I can't wait, I'll just do it myself. I can't wait, I'll just look for someone else to do it. I can't wait, I give up, I quit. But that we would say, God, I can't wait on my own. I don't have the strength. Here you go, please, please help. And when you supply the strength and when you supply the way that when they feel, it feels like there's no way, we can only know and feel and believe that it is you. And so then in return, we will worship you. That's all we can even give back. What else could we repay but just to trust you? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use the message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.